You're listening to the Cornerstone Family Worship Center podcast. Making disciples, building community, and growing together in faith and love. So we have a firm foundation in which uh, to stand on. But 
Once, once the enemy can convince people that God's word is not true, then, then we go into all kinds of other directions. Uh, they will give way to evil lusts of their fleshly carnal mind. The carnal mind, the Bible says, is an enemy of God. An enemy, a hostile enemy of God. Our carnal way of thinking. But when we listen to Satan and we give into his uh, lies, the carnal mind begins to take over. And we open ourselves up to all kinds of things. That person that will do that, they will become covetous. And they will become greedy. They will become sexually perverted. Men with men. Women with women. Adults with children. And even bestiality, which, which you know, we can't even imagine something like that. God, when, when people put God aside and they push him out and they refuse to believe what he has said about these things, then we give place to the devil and our mind falls after things that God detests. Amen. And they will justify the worship of any and all other gods. Once a person gives in to the devil's lie, he will exalt any other kind of God in his life other than the true and the living God. And they will worship and they will serve things created, as it says in Romans chapter 1. They worship and serve those things that were created rather than the creator himself. We have been created by him for the purpose of glorifying him. Amen. <clears throat> I don't know if you subscribe to uh, Prophecy News Watch or not on your computers, uh, but if you want to write that one down, Prophecy News Watch. Uh, and I'm going to read a little excerpt that I read from that website this week. It's one of the websites that you can trust. It's one that, they, if it's on their website, they have thoroughly searched it out and it's true. It's not one of those things that you share with your friend and then they have to come back three days later and go, oops. That really wasn't true. <clears throat> so this is from Prophecy New Watch, and it says this. The following was posted by the official Twitter account of Union Theological Seminary last week. Today in chapel, we confessed to plants. Together we held our grief, joy, regret, hope, guilt, and sorrow in prayer offering them to the beings who sustain us, but whose gift we too often fail to honor. Of course, a lot of, uh, uh, of course, a lot of very confused parents probably contacted the school as well, because this was definitely not what most of them had in mind when they heard that their child was going to attend seminary. But instead of backing down, Union Theological Seminary posted a 10-part response on Twitter in which they defended this new practice. The following are the first five parts of their response. We've had many questions about yesterday's chapel conducted as part of the class, and this is the name of the class, Extract, Extractivism, a Ritual Liturgical Response. And that's the name of the class. In worship, our community confessed the harm we've done to plants. Speaking directly in repentance. 
This is a beautiful ritual. <laughs> we are in the throes of a climate emergency, <coughs> a crisis created by humanity's arrogance, our disregard for creation. <laughs> Far too often, we see the natural world only as resources to be extracted for our use, not divinely created in their own right. Word of honor, thanks, and care. We need to unlearn habits of sin and death, and part of that work must be building new bridges to the natural world. And that means creating new spiritual and intellectual frameworks by which we understand and relate to the plants and animals with whom we share the planet. These are the kinds of things, folks, that are being taught in our universities and in college campuses across this country. And even in theological seminaries. Come on. The worship of plants, the praying to plants, the confessing our sins to the plants. How far have we come? How goofy can we get? And these are the kinds of things that are being taught to our young people who will eventually lead our country in the future and who will stand in pulpits and promote more of the same godly group. These are people coming out of theological schools. And they're not going to teach everyone else in their congregations how to tell the plants that you're sorry for the way you treated them. And I just ate something this morning. <laughs> But God says that he, he has given us dominion over all of these things, and these are good for us to partake of, right? <clears throat> God's not been out of shape over us eating some of his plants and, uh, uh, you know, eating uh, the food that we eat. Now, <clears throat> that, doesn't, that doesn't mean that we've done some goofy things along the way. I, I don't, I'm not saying that. But this here is really taking things to such a far-off extreme that it's just absolutely nonsense. Absolutely nonsense. And this is why Jude said in Jude, verse 3, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. Earnestly contend for the faith. That means that you and I, uh, church, when we hear this kind of stuff going on, we, we have to stand up and say, that's wrong. That, this is wacky. This is not according to Scripture. This is not according to the Word of God. Right. And so we have to defend the faith. We have to stand, stand up for the truth, for the Word of the Lord. And if we're going to be overcomers in this world, you've got to have this Word inside of you in such a way that none of that other kind of stuff can shake you from the truth, can lure you away from the truth. We have to have that solid in, in our hearts and in our minds. And it's the same reason why the Apostle Paul warned us in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 4.
I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Preach the word. I was like Brother Diamond, his eyes, his eyes saying to me afterwards, he said, good word, good word, Brother Mike. He said, keep preaching the word. Just keep preaching the word. You know, we get discouraged sometimes. We get uh, uh, distracted sometimes. But the one thing that a preacher of the gospel needs to do is to always get back to preach the word. Preach the word. Yeah. Don't preach the godly book. Don't preach the latest trend. Don't, don't get all sucked up into what society has to say. Get back to the word and stay in the word. Amen. And that's what Paul was saying. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. That means be instant to preach the word when times are good. Preach the word. When times are bad, preach the word. It's the word of God that changes people's lives. Amen. Amen. He says, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Listen to this. For the time will come when they will not endure solid doctrine. That basically means where, when people will no longer put up with sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. And this is exactly the kind of teaching that many Christians are gravitating towards today. The motivational, the psychological, the feel-good kind, rather than biblically sound doctrine. Don't get caught up into that, church. Don't get caught up into the feel-good religion of this day that we're living in. Stick with the Word of God. Stay with the old uh, with the old paths, amen, as the proverb says. Uh, I'm sticking with the old paths, the tried and true paths, the, the word of the Lord that has endured for uh, forever. Since he spoke his word, it will always be, it's settled in the heavens and it is settled in the earth, amen. Satan doesn't have to lure unbelievers away from the Word of God. He already has them. But the Christian has much to lose if he deviates or abandons the Word of God. Once we have come to know the truth of God's Word, once we have come to know who Jesus Christ is, once we have come to know why He died on the cross, once we have come to know that His resurrection power lives within us today through the power of His Holy Spirit, once we have come to know those things, to be persuaded away from that, that's Satan's trick. That's what he wants to do. The rest of the world who's unbelievers, who are atheists, who don't uh, fear God, trust God, look to God, believe in God and all, he's already got them. What he's after right now is you. <laughs> what he's after right now is me. Because we believe this word of God. And we are a detriment to him and to the, his kingdom of darkness. Because we're going to take this gospel to another person who's confused about their sexuality, who's confused about marriage, who's confused about money, who's confused about all of the things of this life. And we're going to take to them the word of the Lord. And that word of the Lord will set their trouble heart free, 
person's life. So what is he going to do? He's going to try to get you to water down your message, get you to get off track a little bit from the Word of God. If you're going to be an overcomer, and that's what we're talking about in this series, living, living an overcoming life, a life of victory. If we're going to be that kind of person, then we've got to be people of the Word. People of the Word. Not just people who hear the Word, but people right. who do the Word. People who believe the Word. People who practice the Word. Yeah. Amen. It is the Word of God that keeps us on the straight and narrow. As long as we're focused on what God says, we're not going to get off track. A couple of months ago, I went bowling with Barry and the kids. He took the girls bowling. I had been bowling a long, long time. It's kind of weird the way I bowl now. <laughs> I don't have that glide, you know, I don't have that rhythm anymore. But uh, we went bowling with the girls, and uh, you know, they got these rails in the gutters for kids. So the kid, all he's got to do is just drop that ball down there anywhere on that lane. And that thing will bounce over to the side and get a rail, bounce over the. I mean, it'll make 10 turns all the way down there. But you know what? They always hit some pins. They might not get a strike, but they always hit some pins. And the Word of God is like those rails for you and I. We can get a little bit distracted. We can go, you know, there are extremes even within the Christian realm where you get people who come up teaching goofy stuff. In, in, within the Christian church, and everybody has a tendency to flock over to that, you know, and they'll go to this meeting, they want to hear this guy, and they want to hear that guy, and they want this prophet to prophesy over them, and they get to the extreme of just following after that kind of stuff. I remember that we had a, a guy in this area, and I do believe that he was a man of God, a prophet of God, but uh, I, I had a guy come up to me one time and tell me that I needed to get over to these meetings so that this would rub off on me or whatever. And uh, he actually, he came up to me and he literally grabbed my lapel uh, on, on my sports name. And he said, Brother Mike, he says, you got to get over there to this. Uh, and then the laughter movement came sweeping through the church. Oh, you got to get over there and laugh with those guys over there. It's the Holy Ghost joy. It's just something. And then, you know, you got this thing and this thing. And, uh, calling us a little, to get a little bit off track of what the gospel should be about. And, uh, you know, so we, we have that rail. The Word of God is keeping us from getting way too far over that way. Then you got the others that are telling you that the Bible is not even to be trusted. You can't believe it. It's old and antiquated, antiquated and outdated. And so you, you got that other kind of thing. So, it's kind of like those two rats, you know. Just, just stay on target and, and stay within the Word of God, and you're going to be fine. You're not going to get wrapped up or caught up in any of those things, and you're not going to be led astray, and you're going to be an overcomer. You're going to be one of those overcomers because you're trusting in God's Word and not what the Word of men uh, has to say. Amen. It's the application of the Word of God in our lives that causes us to triumph. It's not just hearing about it. It's not just seeing it written on a page. It's, it's applying God's Word to our heart, to our life, that causes us to triumph, that causes us uh, to be victorious. The promise that God gave 
to his servant Joshua stands for us today. And we read that in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Where the Lord gave this word to him. This book of the law, and you can, you can read that as this word of God. This word of God shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Now there's a whole lot of talk about meditation in this day and age that we're living in. There's this new agey kind of meditation. There's this thing where people sit and chant to the sun or to the moon. Hey! I saw somebody doing that when we were at a conference and we went down to, uh, into, into the city and they had like a waterfall there and then they had some rocks here and there. Here sits this gal over on one of these rocks out by the waterfall. And she's, uh, becoming one with the universe, you know how that uh, <laughs> Meditation is getting a bad getting getting a bad rap because of some of that kind of goofy stuff. But the word of God does tell us to meditate. But we're to meditate on the Word of God. We're to meditate on what God says. We're to allow uh, the Word of God to get into our heart and into our mind and into our uh, very soul and into our spirit. Get down deep inside of us. Amen. Uh, and and uh, uh, meditate therein. And he says, day and night. Night and day. Let that meditation of God's Word be on your heart and on your mind and on your lips. Mutter. Mutter. The, the word meditation uh, has to do with muttering like under your breath. Mutter the word of God. Mutter the word of God. You know, when you're driving in your car. You know, there was a time when you, you know, when you're talking to the Lord in your car, sometimes somebody would pull up to you and they'd see nobody else in your car and you're just talking away. And there was a time when that, you were kind of inhibited to do that, you know, because of, you know, people you know, looking at you like you're talking to yourself or talking but folks, get rid of that kind of thing, especially in this day, because everybody has handy gadgets in their car. You don't have to be inhibited. I mean, I wouldn't be anyway. I wouldn't care if they look at me and say, hey, man, that guy's crazy. That's a big does bottle of your But I'm talking about you shy people who, who think, well, I don't want to do that because they just start talking away. They don't know if you're talking to your wife at home or your husband or what. Just, just, just be praising the Lord. You know, and mutter the word of the Lord day and night, day and night. This word of the Lord shall not depart out of your mouth. It doesn't mean that you'll never say it out of your mouth. It means that it's always going to be on the tip of your tongue. Yes. The, the word of the Lord is always going to be on the tip of your tongue. Meditate there in day and night that thou mayest observe to do. I know I've preached this somewhere along the line before, and I've had you underlining your Bibles, those of you who do. Underline those three words. Observe to do. You don't just observe the Word of God. You don't just look at the Word of God. You look into the Word of God so as to do what the Word of God says. Yeah. Amen. Observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then, you see when that word comes in there, for then, it's letting us know that not until we do the first thing. Then, what comes after the word then, will happen. Well, you got to do the first things first. Amen. You can't get the cart before the horse, right? First thing first. Observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then, when you're doing that, thou shalt make thy way prosper. 
prosperous. Prosperous. Another word that's taken out of context a lot of time in the day and age that we're living in. And people who are coming against uh, people who believe in prosperity. Church, I do not make any bones about this. I believe in the prosperity of God. I believe it from Genesis to Revelation. There's nowhere in the word of God that is down on people prospering. God wants us to prosper. Again, you've got to have the rails alongside of the uh, the lane, amen, so that you don't get, because some people have taken that word and have gone way to extremes and are teaching people in God's house about just getting money, 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 money. And then you start talking about money coming to you, money coming to you. It gets a little wacky. Some of you are old enough to remember guy on the TV, uh, Reverend Ike. Reverend Ike would come on the TV and what he talk about money, 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 money. God wants you to be rich. Uh, he was one of the first real guys that was that extreme. And I remember he would come on and, and the show would open up and here's Reverend Ike's uh, face on the, on the screen and he'd say, Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, and his, if they zoom in on his face, all these things would be added to him. You know, and the important part of that verse is seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then the last part should be, and these things would be added to him. But he flipped the whole thing around and said the first part real quickly, so he almost didn't hear it, and then he said, all these things. But it says here that if we do right, if we apply the word of God to our lives, if we live with the word of God on our tongue, and if we live in that in that way, then it says, uh, if we do all that written there, then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. And then thou shalt have good success. How many of us want good success in our lives? I do. I do. I asked for a show of hands last week for a couple of times and they're like, boy, it's like pulling teeth. So I don't know if I want to go there again today, but maybe, you know, uh, how, how many of you, how many of you want to raise your hand and say, I, want, I don't want to be successful? I want God's success all over me. I want him to prosper me, prosper my family, my children. Amen. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11. It says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways? How can a young man keep himself clean in this world? Man, that's a good question nowadays, for sure. And then it says, By taking heed thereto, according to thy word. And then he says, With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hidden my heart so that I might not sin against you. That's why we get the word of the Lord in our heart. So that it is there all the time. So that when the temptation to sin against our God is set before us, there's a check in our spirit that says, uh-uh, no, 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 that is not what the word of the Lord says. And that is not the direction that he's called me to go. And automatically, there's
there's something that goes off inside of your spirit that says, nope, nope, nope. Right. You know, a whole lot of gossip would stop in the church oh, yeah. if people would say, oh, whoa, whoa, nope, that's not the word of God. Animosity towards another brother in the Lord? You wouldn't have that at all. Right. Wouldn't have it at all if you were following what the word of the Lord said. Jealousy? Uh uh. No room for that in the heart of a person who believes this word and follows after this word. Amen. Amen. The victory that we're talking about is the application of God's word in your life. Yes. Applying God's word in your life so that when that first Temptation, and, and I'm just talking about what people view as a little sin. It's not a little sin, it's, it's a killer. But when that very first thought comes into your mind about gossiping about somebody and speaking negative about someone else's life, just as soon as that thing begins to get a, get a foothold there to where it's going to come out of your mouth, we should be able to have enough of the Word of God, enough of the Spirit of the Lord, enough of the knowledge of God, the wisdom of God, to know exactly what this thing is meant to do. It's meant to harm people. Right. It's meant to divide people. Yeah. And we catch it before it comes out. That's walking in the Spirit, folks. That's walking according to the Word. That's what God is wanting us to get to. Amen. Someone said it this way, this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. This book, the word of God, will keep you from sin. Or if you give place to sin, that will keep you from the word of God. So we get to make the choice. Do we want sin? Or do we want the word of God? The word. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. The apostle Peter says this: Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power has given, the word hath, it's an old English word that we have in the King James, his divine power hath, meaning past tense, he has already given. That's what it means. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Everything that you need to know about living in this life and about living godly before him, he has given to you. He has already given to you by his divine power those things that you need to do that. Through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these, by what? By these promises that he has given to us. That by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. That doesn't mean that you're going to be God. It just means like you're going to act. You're going to start acting the way that God will act. <laughs> Amen? Yes. Loving, merciful, kind. Amen. 
that by these promises you might be partakers, fellowship with the divine nature of God, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Wow, this is the victorious life right here. This is the overcoming life right here. It's saying that we need to grab a hold of the promises that God has already given to each and every one of us. Grab a hold of them, live them out, flesh them out in our lives as we go about from day to day, and we will walk in victory. We will walk the way He would have us to walk in this life. We will be prosperous, and our way will be successful. Amen. Right? That's that's not a promise that you will get millions of dollars in your bank account. Doesn't say that. It says that you will be prosperous, though. And there are there are plenty of principles that talk about money. I'll get to that in just a minute about how to how to use those things, whereby we can prosper even in that way. Amen. So we have been given everything we need to live an overcoming life. The Bible tells us everything that we need to know about God and His nature. Somebody might say, well, there's a lot of things I don't know about God yet, but everything that you need to know about God, it's in that book. He's revealed it to us in His Word. Everything about His nature, He's revealed that to us in His Word. His dealings with mankind has been revealed to us in that Word. That we have forgiveness of our sins through His Son, Jesus Christ, that's in that Word. Amen. So all of these things that pertain to life and godliness, he has already given us promises whereby we can obtain those things and walk in those things and experience those things on a daily basis. Amen. That God will afford us that kind of a fellowship with him, that kind of a relationship with him. Amen. Now, as I said, finances. The Bible talks a lot about finances. The Bible talks a lot about money. A lot of times people have, uh, they, they misquote a, a verse of scripture. Uh, one, of the, one of the ones they misquote about money is uh, uh, the love of money, or, or, or that money is the root of all evil. It's not. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. So money is just a, an inanimate object in the world that we can use for good or evil. Music is another thing. It can be used for good or evil. You hear songs out there that just, they're filthy rotten songs. It's amazing that anybody would even buy this stuff and listen to it, right? But God has gifted people, He's given people talents, and, and they use them either to do evil with it or, or good. Same thing with our money. We can use it for good or we can use it for evil. Amen. So the Bible speaks to us about our finances. It, it teaches us and speaks to us the right and the wrong way to gain and accumulate wealth. You don't get it by stealing. You don't get it by laziness. You don't get it by this or that. And it tells you all of the wrong ways to go about trying to accumulate wealth. And it shows you the right way to do that, that there is a right way to do that. It, it teaches us generosity versus greed and hoarding. The Bible actually addresses those issues and those subjects. Planting and harvesting of your money. Planting seed in the kingdom, just like I said on Wednesday night. We in this church planted some seed on Wednesday night into a good uh, good harvest. We're going to believe God for a good harvest. And that brother's going to get out there and he's going to use that money 
to finance the things of the kingdom of God. It teaches us what loving your money will lead to. The Bible tells us, I'm very clear on these things. You can find all of these principles. I don't have scripture verses for every one of them, but I can guarantee you we can find three of them, at least, on every one of these things that I'm saying. Amen. That when you are a giver, God will give back to you. It just happens. You don't have to go and ask him to give it. Hey, but Lord, you saw where I gave over here. Come on, come on. You just give out of your heart. He'll find you, he'll look you up, and he'll bless you. Mm-hmm. That's the way it works. And Jesus said, let not your left hand know his right hand go. How in the world do you say, hey, I'm going to get this, well, therefore I got to get this. Ah. No, 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 no. You give. You give. And then God will give back to you. Actually, there's a proverb that says, when you give to the poor, it is as if you are lending to the Lord. I can lend you twenty dollars. I can give you twenty dollars to lend. You may or may not give it back. But him being a man, that possibility is there, isn't it? He might fall through and pay me back, and he might not. But when the Bible says that. When you give to the poor, it is as if you are lending to God. Do you not know that God will find you somewhere and give back to you? Yes. Amen. Yes. And he will not let you slip through the cracks in any way, shape, or form. The Bible addresses sexuality and marriage. So many people today confused about sexuality. The Bible has all the answers. The Bible addresses all of those things. A man and a woman were to be married. And that constitutes a marriage. All of this other stuff that people are talking about today, it's not a marriage. Call it scrambled eggs if you want. That's okay. But it's not marriage. Marriage is meant to be one man being married to one woman to build one family unit and to have children together. The sexuality part of it is just something that God designed man and woman to have and to be able to uh, please each other and have children and to procreate. Uh, this is a beautiful thing from the Lord. It's not to be a nasty thing. It's not to be a dirty thing. It's not to be a filthy thing. God has created us in this way that it is a wholesome, good thing. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. The, the marriage bed is undefiled. Hallelujah. Amen. <clears throat> so God addresses that. And then not only that, but he addresses the man and the woman how to treat each other. All you women and your husbands, you better treat your because the Bible says, and the husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Oh. That's how men are supposed to love their wives. It means self-sacrificing. It means
means humility. God humbled himself to come into this planet as a babe in a manger so that he could save us. <clears throat> How much more should we be able to see in that what great love he's talking about when he's saying, yeah. husbands, love your wives. <clears throat> Give yourselves for them. Protect them. Lead them. Lead the household. And then the wives are, the Bible says, wives reverse your husbands. I know. Wives reverence your husbands. Sometimes the gals think that as soon as they get married, they're supposed to get that guy to do everything they're supposed to get that they want him to do. So they're trying to reverse their husbands. No, it says reverence your husband. Show him respect. Show him honor. So the Bible addresses these things. <clears throat> Someone said, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Well, I say it this way. If God ain't happy about your situation, <laughs> it's over. <laughs> Amen. We need to look to him. And if things aren't right in our marriage and in our home, then he has the answer. He has the answer. And as the old saying goes, it takes two to pain. So all of you husbands, leave this place today and go home and love your wife like Jesus loves his church. And all of you women, you go home and you respect and you honor that man that God has given to you. Amen. Government. The Bible teaches us about government. Amen. The government of the secular government uh, in the world around us and also the government of the church. <clears throat> the Bible addresses those things. The right and the wrong kinds of leaders. It, it specifically tells us what the right and the wrong kinds of leaders are. What to expect with a righteous leader. What to expect when the wicked are in control. <clears throat> Proverbs 29 verse 2 says exactly that. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked rule, the people mourn. In our society, we get a chance to choose the kind of person we want over us. And I am so sick of hearing in the church, well, I don't want to vote for this person because I just feel like it's just it's just the lesser of two evils. Lesser, I like less evil. Sorry. Yes, amen. And it doesn't matter who it is, who she is, who he is, whatever, whatever party, whatever. Let's make it. I like less evil. Yeah. It might not be perfect, but less evil is better than more evil. Oh, amen. Every time. Amen. And then we need to use <clears throat> what God has given you to be an overcomer. You have to use what God has given to you if you're going to be an overcomer. Amen. You overcome your fears by placing your faith in what God says. See, fear, we, we are all, we all deal with fear somewhere along the line, every one of us do. Fear of losing your job, uh, fear of your marriage falling apart, fear of your children getting on drugs or alcohol, fear of, uh, you know, a terrorist attack, fear of, I mean, man, we have so many things that we can fear. And most of the time, we're fearful of things that really don't even exist. 
I remember when I was a kid in our garage, every now and then we'd get a possum come into the garage. I remember having to go out in the garage and get something. And we, it wasn't about the possum that night. We just had to go out in the garage and get something out in the garage. But all I could see in that garage was a possum. Somewhere, there's a possum. And so I had to go and get something. And I was just going to look at it. I had to reach under a chair and, and get whatever it was that I had. And, and there was like just a bag there or something. And I swore that was that was a possum. It wasn't a possum, it was a bag. It's just a bag. But my fear gripped my heart so much that I thought it was a possum. And so that's what happens with fear. We get so fearful of something that's really not even there. Amen. And this is what God says, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given to us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I was just thinking you could turn to your neighbor and say, hey, I've got a sound mind, but maybe have a fly. <laughs> a sound mind, a good thinking mind, a mind that's clear, a mind that's not confused and foggy and fearful. God doesn't want us to have that kind of mind. He wants us to have a mind that's sound. That's, that's filled with his love and his peace. Overcome your anxieties by doing what the word says to do. Philippians 4, 6. Now I know that some of these are verses that maybe you may even put in memory. But it doesn't do any good. If you just put it in memory and don't apply it. Yes, it needs to be on the tip of your tongue. Yes, it, never, uh, it needs to never leave your mouth. As it says with Joshua. Yes, that's true. But if you're not applying it, it's not helpful. So Philippians 4 6 says, Be careful or worrying for nothing. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What is the answer to anxiety? Prayer. Prayer. When we become anxious, we gotta, we got to identify that right, right then and there. This is not God. God doesn't want me uptight and anxious over this thing. What am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to take it to the Lord in prayer right now. Right now. The sooner the better. Amen. I'm going to read to you the, the words of an old hymn. We don't sing a lot of hymns, but thank you, Rachel, for singing that one today. What a friend we have in Jesus. Listen to these words. They may be a little archaic uh, according to the way that we speak today, but I think the thought will come through. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord 
in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden? Covered with a load of care, precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms, still take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there. Wow, what powerful words. What words we read need to be reminded of constantly. Because all of us have these things come against us. All of us have trials and temptations. All of us have friends that rise against us somewhere along the line. All of us have people who forsake us. All these things that are written in this song are true of each and every one of us. But the real truth is we need to take all of those things to Lord. That's our answer. I'm looking for you to just walk victoriously in this world. I'm looking for me to walk victoriously in this world. To walk as, talk as, live as overcomers in this life. Amen.